0: Ron Robinson is a cosmetic chemist and the founder of a company called Beautystat. I recently came across his Instagram page and found it super educational, super informative on a topic that I really know nothing about. It's close to the fitness industry, but it's more in the wellness beauty space, which is skincare. On episode number 52 of the Better With Brock podcast, you can expect to learn the things to avoid to improve your skin health, a basic skincare routine that you can do if you currently don't have one like myself, and also what influencers are getting wrong when they're posting their skincare routine videos. Obviously, you're going to learn a lot more on the Better With Brock podcast, and I can't wait for you to listen to it. Let's jump into it. What role does nutrition have to do with skin health? Because I am very focused on nutrition with my clients in the personal training world, flexible dieting, the role of protein, carbohydrates, and fats. But I have no idea what it does to the skin. So I'd love to hear. I know it's a very general question, mm-hmm. the role of nutrition with skin health. It you know, couldn't be more broad, but I'm happy for you to break it down into you know, this is what vegetables do or or this is what fruits do or this is what meat does. I'm not sure, you know, what I'm even talking about at this point, but I'm happy for you to take it wherever you want to. But the overarching question or concern that I have is what role does nutrition have in skin health?
1: You know, Brock, this is a great question, the connection between nutrition and skin health. There's no one that actually knows exactly the answer. So you have different experts in the field, whether it's dermatologists, they study skin, and they are experts in skin health and disease. You have cosmetic chemists like myself that work with topical ingredients that I could use to help improve the look and feel of skin. And you have nutritionists and fitness experts like yourself, which focus on overall body health and conditioning. And of course, nutrition you know, is a big part of that. But no one's been able to really know for sure exactly the connection between, okay, the the food I take in, my nutrition, and what my skin looks like. Here are the anecdotes, and here are some studies that show that high sugar, high processed foods, those could lead to more acne, breakouts, etc., and may accelerate the look and signs of aging. Again, that's a little bit of data, a little bit of anecdotes, but no one knows exactly for sure. So I always encourage those that follow my brand BeautyStat is to make sure you just eat a balanced diet, try to avoid high sugar, high alcohol, and processed foods, and stick to whole foods, and make sure there's balance. So that's my advice, and I think that's a, advice that a lot of other experts might give.
0: Yeah, that's very close to the advice that I would give in regards to maintaining a healthy physique as well, not just your skin, yeah. because the processed foods uh, very highly palatable so they're super tasty they're very calorie dense as well so often that doesn't help the waistline when you're consuming these foods and it's very hard to stop yes if you have a box of pizza in front of you it's very rare that you're going to say i'm just going to have one because i'm so disciplined that i'm going to have a green tea and go to bed that doesn't happen right right you grab the you grab the pizza box you grab i don't know some coke or some mountain dew or, or whatever and you put on a netflix movie and then it just kind of Spirals into Maltesers and popcorn, and then all this kind of stuff happens. It's not just that one thing. What is the balance between having some sort of exciting diet or foods that are highly processed? Because I don't think anyone's just going to go cold turkey. I'm not going to touch this. We all go to weddings, we all have things to celebrate. What's the balance, and how much would you recommend or guide them to have?
1: It, it, to me, it's just about balance. And I think, you know, what does that exactly mean? Hard to say. It's about just not being excessive. You know, I think, I think one, one thing that we do know is that diet alone will not necessarily improve or give you the significant improvement in skin that you might be looking for. So it's, it may keep you at a, at, a, at a base level of not getting any worse, but applying skincare products, ingredients topically, that may give you the additional benefit that you you may need, especially whether we're talking about protection like like sun protection. Sure, eating good food that's rich in antioxidants is going to help your skin protect itself. However, harsh UV, going out in the sun every day, the food is not enough. You need topical skin care, great sunscreens, and great skin care to protect your skin and maybe even repair your skin. So that's one thing we do know, and I recommend that for all consumers who are looking for some level of improvement in their skin.
0: So were you saying that there's foods that actually help protect your skin from the sun?
1: Yeah, to some extent. So having- To some extent. Yeah, so eating, eating foods that are rich in antioxidants, vitamin C, that is going to naturally help your skin protect itself. However, it's very limited. If you're out and exposing yourself to UV sun on any type of ongoing basis, you need protection. And that's why we always recommend those experts here in the the skincare industry and the beauty industry recommend that consumers wear a minimum of SPF 30 sunscreen protection every day, even on cloudy days.
0: To give the general population An idea of what foods would be high in vitamin C and antioxidants. What's just a handful of foods that they could include?
1: The green leafy vegetables and fruits. Of course, everyone knows the citrus fruits, the oranges, the lemons. All of those are going to be rich in vitamin C. But the same thing again with some of your green leafy vegetables. Those are going to be great in vitamin C as well
0: just so happens that they are the foods that no one really wants to consume.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So those are the ones, but, but I think, you know, I think we're, we're learning. I think, you know, people were doing smoothies. We're, we're, we're trying to make fruits and vegetables a little bit more palatable by blending them, mixing them. So I think that trend will continue. And I think it's great to see people at least becoming more aware of the importance of it.
0: Yeah. That's one thing that I've incorporated into my diet. I I used to really have a lot of smoothies for breakfast and I despise eating green vegetables just like most people, mm. but I have to do it. So what I would do is just get frozen organic kale yes. and spinach things and, ju- and just throw them in. You can't even taste it. Yep. There's a slight taste difference, but you can – for the amount of benefits that you're going to get from consuming quite a decent chunk of green leafy vegetables, I think it's worth it. So that was you know, definitely one hack that I put into my personal life
1: definitely 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 recommended and again so we have you know consumers that they have may, cons- may have concerns with acne they might have concerns with hyperpigmentation or uneven skin tone a lot of great skincare products that can help treat those and especially with my brand beauty step that's one of our one of the things that we are experts at is working with ingredients like vitamin C which is a very tough to stabilize ingredient what that means is that it tends to oxidize or turn brown and it's rendered inactive. So we've found a way to stabilize it so that you can use it, get the benefits of it and not to worry about the fact that it might have expired.
0: How far can consuming foods take you in regards to potentially not necessarily having to take products or on the other side of that conversation, is it always recommended? Obviously you have a company called BeautyStat which provides these products. So, um, you know, we have to keep that in mind. I'm not trying to say that you're trying to necessarily push it, but my question is how far can it, can we protect our skin naturally without having to provide other things? Because personally, and I said this uh, when I emailed you about the podcast, I have no skincare routine and maybe that shows in my face. I'm not really sure. I'm not really too concerned to be very honest yep. at the moment, yep. but how far can we go naturally with things like vitamin C and anti antioxidants that you're talking about
1: yeah brock it's a great question so we're we are not here to cause fear or make people feel ashamed for their skin the industry has been growing because consumers are concerned they want to take action so for people like you who are not necessarily who may be thinking about hey maybe i should be thinking about skincare i don't know i'd love to learn more I think, you know, we could certainly educate, but we have enough consumers who are concerned. You know, we have a population that's 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 aging, and there's this concern of trying to remain young and vital and as youthful as possible, and it certainly must fuel the, the fitness industry. It is fueling the beauty industry as well. Consumers are looking for ways to look better, feel better, and it's again, it's not about shaming them or making them feel bad about where they are. If they're happy with their skin, that's fantastic. All I would recommend is that do protect your skin, and that could be just using sunscreen or protective clothing to make sure that you do not get any UV damage and any premature aging. That can certainly happen if you overexpose yourself to the sun.
0: As a person that lives in Australia, we love the sun. I was born in New Zealand, but I moved to Australia because it's warmer and they have amazing beaches and it's and it's probably five to 10 degrees Celsius warmer on average. Right. And I live in a specific uh, s- suburb in Sydney that's a five minute walk from the beach. So me and my wife and our daughter, we walk down to the beach. Well, she, she goes with my daughter every single day when I'm at work, but in the weekends, we really make the most of it. And especially lately because summer's coming, We're spending more and more time down there and one question that my wife actually had was to do with the sun because she she knew i was coming on the podcast with you and you just mentioned you know sunscreen is very important covering is very important to what degree is it important if you don't use sunscreen or okay let's uh let's make a situation if you get sunburned Mm -hmm. how bad is that for your skin and what's happening to your skin when that happens?
1: Yeah, when you get sunburn, you're, it's it's damage. It's excessive damage. And your body goes into protect and treat and heal mode. And what that does is also lead to potential long-term potential uh, skin cancer. So that's if it goes, if you repeatedly expose yourself to the sun and repeatedly burn yourself, that's where it can lead to. So, I think that's th- think that the data there is clear, absolutely clear. so for those again, if you don't want to go into using skincare or sunscreen products, it's about protective clothing, and that becomes your sunblock
0: and And what do you recommend for people that um, i don't know let's say have already had that pass like let's say potentially the damage is done. Mm-hmm. Is it just more covering, more, or is there things to potentially, I know, or well, I'm not sure if you can reverse things, but is there, is there ways that you can potentially undo any damage that's that's been done? Yeah,
1: probably not. What you could do is prevent it from spreading. And if you ever have anyone that has had, you know, issues of having, you know, any skin cancer removed, there's there are places where it tends to to happen. If you don't, if you st- protect yourself and stop it'll be limited to just those areas so you don't you want to make sure that it doesn't you know become broader and affect more areas of the skin so intervention at any point is beneficial hmm
0: yeah I'm also interested in the role of genetics with skin health because you know there's a there's a lot of sayings out there for different cultures and different races and there are many people that you know, let's say for some reason haven't had the best luck with, with things like acne. Mm-hmm. Uh, I grew up with a friend who's who's still one of my best friends today who used a product called Roaccutane.
1: Okay.
0: I think I think that's potentially how you say it. I may have stuffed that up but um you know, and then I have other friends who just haven't had problems at all. Mm-hmm. You know, going through puberty, and there's hardly pimples and, and and things like that. Where I got pimples every now and then, I tried to use products like Clarisonic, and then I used it, and then I felt like it made my skin worse, so I just stopped. And I think that's why, you know, from 14 years old, I just pretty much haven't touched anything. I was scarred because I felt like as soon as I used, um, and I'm not trying to throw them under the bus, but. As soon as i kind of used any product mm-hmm. and it was probably my product selection as well because once again zero knowledge but when i used them i felt like i just got more whiteheads and pimples and that could have been things coming to the surface that's probably a good idea but uh i was probably scarred as a young teenager you know trying to impress girls and and do things like that and i had pimples on my face so i just kind of stopped and then i felt like it was better yeah so to come back to my original question what role do genetics play
1: well, well, first, Brock, I, I'm I'm not a dermatologist or a medical doctor, so I I, I only know what the, those types of experts say. It, it, it's a big okay. it's a big part of kind of how our skin turns out and why everyone's skin is different is different. Even those that are related, you can have uh, you know siblings. One's prone to this, the other's prone to that, and, and vice versa. So it, it, it really goes down to you know what what our hereditary factors are, but also, more importantly, is what we expose ourselves to. So, again, you can have the you can have the best genes in the world, but if you overexpose yourself to certain things, or if you treat you don't treat your skin in a good enough way, then you may suffer the consequences of less than perfect skin. Mm.
0: Um. Another question, and like I said, I'm just going to fire questions at you because sure. I feel like you're just this big wealth of knowledge on this topic. Uh, so. I guess I'm concluding that the sun is pretty much one of the worst things that can happen to you in terms of just overexposure to the sun without protection. Is smoking also really bad for your skin? Because this might just be the circle that I've kind of floated around in and I don't have, I I might have friends that smoke. I'm not sure. Um, Maybe they keep it secret to me, but I've seen kind of smokers that, and they kind of have bad skin in terms of, a lot of lines or potential aging showing earlier than
1: other people that don't. Is that, is that correct? Absolutely. Rock cigarette smoking may be the second most dangerous of have the most dangerous effect on our skin. So you definitely want to avoid being around uh, cigarette smoke, secondhand smoke. And of course, firsthand smoke, you should, you should try it all possible to try to limit or quit Uh, That because it's definitely taken, that's definitely proven that cigarette smoke does accelerate the signs of aging on our skin. So that leads to loss of collagen, the unevenness of skin tone, hyperpigmentation, loss of firmness, and beginning of sagging skin. All of those things can occur with chronic exposure to cigarette smoke.
0: And would that be the same with vaping as well? I don't know too much about vaping and how similar it is I, but I, I know that a lot of people are kind of going towards that
1: i, I I'm, I'm not sure either i think probably less with the, this exposure to the to your skin but not sure mm. about if it's more dangerous versus traditional cigarette smoking for your body
0: right okay okay um i want to move on to a segment of the podcast where we kind of talk about trends. Yes, um, I saw one of your most recent Instagram reels. Uh, if you don't follow him, is he's, he's at Ron Robinson Cosmetic Chemist. Chemist. Correct. Um, yeah, quite a long one.
1: Um, <laughs> yes.
0: And you and and, and you post, uh, you posted about exfoliation, which is quite funny. I had a wee laugh because when Correct. I was younger, and once again, zero knowledge. Uh, I remember being out in the garage and I was looking through my dad's tools. And for some reason, I had this idea that I was going to use sandpaper on my skin <laughs> and I didn't. And it actually worked and it felt very smooth. And I was like, oh, maybe this is, you know, maybe I'm onto something. You know, obviously, I know that that was probably too extreme. Yes. You know, i i I, I searched different coarseness Uh. of sandpapers and I found the most fine one and I thought, okay, this is probably going to be better. And uh, I think that is manual exfoliation. If I've done my research correctly,
1: that is correct. That would be manual and that would be uh, that would be pretty aggressive exfoliation. So there's a delicate balance and you know, what is exfoliation? Exfoliation means the sloughing off of the dead skin cell layers on the surface of the skin to reveal brighter, smoother skin underneath. So for those that might have dry, flaky skin, dull-looking skin, you might be looking for a product to help exfoliate that layer and reveal that brighter skin underneath. So men, a lot of us guys do this when we shave our skin every day. So you might shave every day, every other day, that's another level of exfoliation. That blade that's going across your skin that's cutting the hair is also lifting off that surface layer of skin. That's why after you shave, after the redness may go away, your skin is, is smoother. It's smoother, softer because you've sloughed off or exfoliated that top layer of skin, revealing that smoother skin underneath. So that can be duplicated with other types of skincare products, you know, whether it's a, a, a gentle Exfoliating scrub. It can be a gentle face peel that contains hydroxy acids, which work by by using chemicals to help kind of lift off that dead skin. So, so there's you could chemically, you could physically exfoliate like you did with sandpaper, or you could chemically exfoliate with hydroxy acids. Both are doing the same thing. You know, again, sloughing off, exfoliating that top layer and revealing that healthy, smooth, softer more radiant skin underneath
0: is there one that is better because personally in my little experience I've found that the the physical one probably not sandpaper <laughs> but I feel like that 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 feels better like I've used some of my, some of my wife's products I think that's really all I do now I just look around in the shower and see what's new and then I try it out right just for fun um, which is probably the worst strategy you could ever use but i found that when there's little beads in the actual solution that I, I Personally, I just feel like it's doing more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't really dived into the, the other side of things where it's more of a chemical exfoliation. Is there one that's, that's better or worse? Is there one that's more preferred from people than other, or is it just preference? It's just
1: preference and it's purely what you're looking for. And if you're the type that really wants to feel it for yourself and actually feel the action going on physically with your hands – use a Mm. use an exfoliating product like your wife is, is using that has those those gentle beads that work to help exfoliate the skin
0: when i first thought of doing a podcast in 2019 i wrote down everything that i wanted to achieve with the show and one thing i never wrote down was to spam you with ads of products that i never really used myself however i did write down that i wanted to grow it as big as possible and have as many interesting people on the show as I could. To help make that happen, all I ask is that you leave a review on the podcast platform that you're listening to this episode on and share it with someone that you know it will benefit. If you want to support myself even further and more importantly your body transformation and are interested in having me as your coach to help you achieve the results that you just can't seem to achieve on your own, you can visit teambrockashby.com to see what program fits you best. Back to the show. And how about water? I'm sitting here drinking my water, but I've heard a lot of people talk about how skin needs to be hydrated. You know, obviously, there's a lot of benefits in terms of just being hydra- uh, just being hydrated. I had a um, a specialist, a performance nutritionist, on the most previous uh, podcast or the most recent podcast that I did, and he and and we kind of talked about the balance of, you know, not just having water if you sweat a lot, you know, having a balance of electrolytes and salt. Uh, if you're training or doing combat sports like I do Jiu Jitsu, but for your skin, how does hydration impact that?
1: Yeah, again, uh, not a medical doctor, but the anecdotes and data that I've seen says it is important. Definitely want to stay, stay hydrated, especially during certain times of year. I'm here from New York in New York city. That's where I'm based. And we're going into the winter climate right now, getting drier indoors with the heat. And that is dehydrating our skin and dehydrating our bodies. So even during this time of year, we need to be drinking. And of course, during the summer as well, when we're outdoors and perspiring. So mm. all, time, all all year long, we need to be making sure we're getting adequate hydration.
0: Okay, cool. So I kind of had this thought in my head, the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, and I just kind of like to get an idea of what have been the best interventions to do with skincare you've talked a lot about vitamin C and antioxidants is there any other things that pop into mind when we think about okay this has kind of shifted the industry in a really positive way
1: yeah I think you mentioned a friend that was taking Accutane and that's a prescription retinoid and retinoid is a proven ingredient to help either stimulate cell turnover which can treat lines and wrinkles or acne So it really is a great ingredient. On the cosmetic side, we use an over-the-counter, similar related ingredient called retinol. And that's another ingredient that is shown to help stimulate cell turnover and can help improve the look and the texture of skin. So that's another ingredient that is trending right now. It's one of the gold standards. So in terms of gold standard ingredients that consumers should be looking out for should be vitamin C, retinol, we talked about some of the hydroxy acids that can be used to exfoliate the skin, and then sunscreen. So those are the big four that I think consumers should be looking to have somewhere in their routine.
0: And on the other side of the fence, we have things that potentially have disrupted the fitness, in, uh, not the fitness industry, the you know uh, your world and the skin world in a negative yeah. way you know, maybe there's been some strong public figures pushing something that isn't potentially the best, which happens a ton in the fitness world. We have celebrities saying, Mm -hmm. you know, this is why I lost weight. Try this diet. And then you dive into it a bit more. You're like, that's actually completely rubbish. So is there, has there been anything like that in the skin world?
1: No, I think what's interesting is that we all tend to agree on what the bad things are. So decades ago there were there were ingredients that we might have used that we don't use any longer and we all agree to that i think where we are right now is that there's so many ingredients out there and some work really well for some people and some work really bad for others but we all we agree to disagree right we agree that's okay this worked for me vitamin c is fantastic for me and then some people feel it doesn't work for them it might irritate their skin so that's where We, again, we all agree to disagree and it's about finding the ingredients and the products that work best for you.
0: That's something that I think we could learn from in the fitness industry because I feel like how political things are happening at the moment where it's becoming very polarizing. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what's happening on social media slash the fitness industry. They're very closely tied because that's where a lot of the marketing... You know, for example, I do in the fitness industry, but there's a lot of people that are saying, don't do this, don't do that. You know, you know, this is going to kill you and this is going to make you live to 120 years old. There's a lot of dichotomy thinking. There's a lot of black and white. It sounds like there's a lot more non-dichotomous thinking in your industry, a lot more gray that people are happy to explore and reason and nuance. And And to be very honest, that's why I created this podcast because... It, it sucks being on Instagram because <laughs> people are just like, that is wrong. That is right. You know, I've been getting, yeah. um, uh, this video that I posted the other day and this is Facebook. Sorry, I'm going on a bit of a tangent. Um, sure. but I got, it's almost at a million views. It's just this kind of 10 second video and I'm, <laughs> I'm getting slammed. I'm getting sworn at by, by profiles that show photos with their kids. It's just wild. The like people are, you know, not only the creators, um, but the people that are commenting are also very polarizing as well. Oh, you think you know yeah. everything? That's wrong because Arnold Schwarzenegger didn't do that, so you know <laughs> right. that must mean it's wrong, you know. And they forget that he had tons of exogenous testosterone in his body as well. <laughs> but you're right. You, you, you know, there's a very polarizing world that I live in. I guess in in Instagram, I think other social media platforms like YouTube have a bit more uh, people with patience that try yeah. to understand, but. How do you think that that kind of gray nuance has been present in in your world because I think we need to learn from you
1: I think so and and I see the the conflicts that happen because I follow a lot of the fitness experts and influencers as well and I see them offering conflicting advice especially when it comes to hey best exercise for glutes best exercise for delts best you know this and this and these are the three must do exercise I do see see that and I think yeah there might be some scientific data to support some of their thinkings some of their some of their content they're put, putting out there but a lot of it's up to the individual and what works for them. So I think there's a blend of both. And I think in skincare it's definitely understood that our everyone's skins react differently to things. It's more accepted there. So I hope it can also, you know, trickle over to the to the fitness industry as well and understanding that people are different and react to things differently. And I think that there's more education about that, about the uniqueness of each other in terms of how we're built and how we respond to things. I think it would be a better place and less people would be attacking you <laughs> on the content you post. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think it's, it's 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 great that it's understood that that everyone's different and I think if you look at someone's skin and look at someone's entire body, it should it should translate very well because right, you, you know, it's just as important if not more because there's, you know, your whole health um and obviously your skin is very important but like your body, your health, how much you weigh, how much muscle you have, this is also very, very important. So I hope that we can kind of come to that conclusion. I will say though, and I have been thinking about this a lot, people do digest content a lot easier if it's more understood. And yes. sometimes when you dive into a lot of nuance and a lot of let's say science or research or even anecdote, anecdote that you've accumulated over the years, mm-hmm. sometimes it just loses people. Because, and then sometimes you find yourself just worrying about the smallest thing that doesn't even really matter, but it does in a certain situation. And then people go, well, why does this matter to me? Sometimes it's better to package it as the three best things you need to do or don't do this, don't do that. I think somehow there has to be a balance of some sort. When you're posting on Instagram, because yours is very educational, your short form content, do you consider this of... Trying to not just lose people that get lost, and and also try to provide valuable nuance and information as well.
1: Definitely, and it's you know I can only do so much in sixty seconds. I want to make it really easy to digest, and I always leave room to come back for more and elaborate. And especially when I, I encourage questions and comments, and that and that gives me and helps me helps guide me in what to follow up on. So I think. Everyone, all content creators should aim to educate, understand that you may not be able to tell a full nuanced story in 60 seconds or less. Do your best and agree that you could follow up with more details and invite the questions and comments. And hey, listen, that gives us an endless amount of content to create because there's always more to dive into and to search and uncover.
0: Yeah, that's why I personally do things on Instagram stories. I say ask me a question. I do it almost every day. I answer them on my stories, but it also gives me an insight like you said of what people actually want to know. Because right. you know, you can post whatever you think people want to know, but when you literally have the market research of people saying, you know, what is the best X or how do I get Y, then you can create content for that. Before we dive into a bit of your journey, which I want to do, I do have one last question because I feel I represent a lot of the male population when it comes to skincare routine. So on social media, the whole skincare routine thing, I'm going to be very honest, kind of pissed me off because I just saw a ton of people just posting their skincare routine and I couldn't care less. I was getting asked a lot about it. Hey, Brock, can you post your skincare routine? I never did it because I don't have one. I was like, I, sh- <laughs> I, I don't know. I train. I, I, I eat well. I try to sleep enough, which is challenging now with a daughter. Um, but I also, um, you know, train. I sweat. I'm not sure what this kind of has. but I. It got very tiring just continuing to see people post this kind of stuff. But what is <laughs> a basic low maintenance skincare routine for people like me that like, let's say care, but potentially don't take products, aren't really actively thinking, oh, I need this and I need that. But just some people that want to do something that they can, I guess, do uh, naturally or this little change that they can make, like, uh, you know, instead of just showering, they can shower plus use X. Is there anything that, that you'd recommend?
1: definitely recommend and I, I think for active people like yourself one thing I do recommend is that you use a facial cleanser every day because you're training, you're working out, you're actually, you know, perspiring and you're also secreting more oil which can clog your pores and in long term may have an effect on your skin so I'd love for you to see if you can incorporate a facial cleanser just to rinse away all of the perspiration and oil buildup after you work out. So that's one thing I recommend. The second thing is if you're active outdoors, if you're taking your activities, your training, your work outdoors, do wear sunscreen or protective clothing. So I think those are the two things that I'd like you to do to just easily work into your routine.
0: With protective clothing, are you talking about long sleeve clothes? Are you talking about wearing uh, compression technology on your legs? what are you kind of talking about because i can briefly yes, understand yes, it but yes. i'd like you to dive into it
1: yeah yes yes and yes hat protect your hair and, and face of course full full body and you there's light enough fabrics that provide you know uv protection while they're, they're allow you to breathe and, and allow you to uh, work up a sweat outdoors those are the things i wanted to see Where and yes uh, protective you know clothing down your legs as well any place where you're where the sun where your skin is exposed to the sun. I'd like to see that covered up. And when you're outdoors and doing anything physical or even leisurely outdoors, make sure you're protected.
0: How do you balance that with getting a tan as well? Because that's obviously one of the (laughs) most important things when you're talking about looking shredded, helping your muscles look more defined. How do you balance that?
1: Uh, (laughs) Self-tanning. So go for the self-tanners and bronzers And yeah, hey, we all like, if we're on vacation, if we're out and we like to enjoy the sun, just make sure you wear your sunscreen and reapply. And don't go for getting the deepest, darkest tan. Protect your skin when you're out in the sun. And again, reapply because when you're out in the sun, you perspire and that makes your sunscreen product less effective. You need to reapply Hmm. it often to make sure it stays active.
0: I want to move the conversation... Oh, go go go!
1: Oh, Brock, there's one 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 fitness or uh, or trend that I see going on on with the fitness influencers that I love. I need to do a stitch on this. Okay. So a lot of them that it cracks me up. So they'll they'll show themselves getting out of the bed, getting out of bed. They go shower, and they start applying their skincare routine before, the, but they do that before they go to the gym, <laughs> and it kind of. And it kind of doesn't make sense that you're going to put on your expensive skincare then go right to the gym sweat it off and then it's not working you spent a lot of money and you just you know you've just perspired the whole skincare away so i do need to do a stitch on this apply your skincare after you've showered and you're done with the gym and you're working out the only skincare you should be applying before you work out is your sunscreen if you're going to be working out outdoors but yes, I'll let you go on to the next thing.
0: <laughs> that's a great point. That's a great point because that is another thing that pisses me off online. Is yes. the morning routine? It's, it's morning routine. It's yes. a close cousin to the skincare routine, but it sounds yes. like they sounds like they can't even get that right either.
1: They they mesh them all together. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but actually, that's a very good thing because I know, I I think my wife does that. I think there's you know I'm not sure. Um, you know, once again, I'm. I don't take anything so I just go to the gym whenever and kind of do whatever but I'm sure that there's a lot of people doing that and also I think there's a lot of people that and it's I feel like it's growing that care how they look in the gym as well because the gym's not just a place where you lift heavy weights and sweat anymore I feel like it's becoming a bit more of a I don't know like a social club sometimes there's a lot of some people meet great friends there some people you know may just spot their random gym member And then they become friends. You know, that's definitely happened to me sometimes. So I I, I feel – and and even some people are looking for love in gyms, I think. You know, you're in a place that have people that are similarly interested to you. You have – you know, you could hit it off. So I think – I do have a question on that. What if people still want to, I guess, feel like they've looked after their skin or, I don't know, wearing makeup and things like that at the gym? Do you still do that? Because you're just going to sweat it off, like you said. Is there a balance, or do you just have to wear it, sweat it off, and then reapply it? And
1: just either either reapply it, or just wait till you finish working out, and then apply your skincare.
0: Okay, very simple. Great. Um, Yeah, I want to turn this conversation more towards you. Um, You know, it was very cool to you know when I first came across you to scroll through your Instagram and kind of just see what you've been up to and you know, you founded this company called Beautystat. What was the journey towards that? Because it's, you know, from outside looking in, I can't say that I've done a ton of research on it apart from, you know, kind of, you know, uh, rolling around your website and, and, and checking out your personal socials. What has that journey been like to, to to found a company like this? And, you know, a very successful company at that as well.
1: So I started in the industry 33 years ago as a cosmetic chemist. A cosmetic chemist is a expert that formulates skincare or beauty products for either a big company or any company. That's what their job is. And I fell into that after, you know, doing a year of med school and dropping out, and you know, having a science degree. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, and I just fell into this world of cosmetics as a cosmetic chemist. So I've worked for a lot of big companies, whether it's Clinique, Estee Lauder, Revlon, Avon, Lancome developing products for a lot of big brands. And then four years ago, I decided to launch my own skincare brand called Beautystat with a vitamin C serum, which is our star best-selling product that is rock stable. Basically, we solve the holy grail of beauty, which is taking a gold standard ingredient like vitamin C, which is known to be unstable and tends to oxidize, I found a way to stabilize it by encapsulating it and including it in this vitamin C serum that has become our best seller. It has a three to five year shelf life, and Brock, just so you understand, vitamin C, when it becomes unstable, it tends to oxidize or turn brown. Think about when you have an apple that's left on the counter. If you cut it, what happens So it turns brown and oxidizes and starts to shrivel up, and it's disgusting. That's what happens to vitamin C if it's not stabilized. So found a way to stabilize pure vitamin C and included 20% of that ingredient in our vitamin C serum which delivers fantastic results for the skin, independently, clinically tested to deliver great results, fine lines and wrinkles, firms and tightens the skin. It decreases hyperpigmentation and uneven skin tone. Just leaves the skin looking flawless in just four weeks, and that has become our best-selling product. We've rolled out into a lot of big retailers here in the United States, and we have a lot of great innovative products coming down the pike. And this, the excitement about our brand, even caught the attention of celebrity Haley Bieber, who reached out to me. I saw that. And said Ron. Yeah. She said, she says, Ron, I love your vitamin C serum. I'm working on my, my own product line called road, and I'd love you to join me and help me build this, this product line. So in my spare time, I work on helping Haley build her products for road while I'm working on building my own brand Beautystead.
0: And how has that been working with such a top taste Liberty?
1: It's been fantastic. She Haley is fantastic. She has a great sense of products and ingredients. She's very studied. She knows what she wants. She knows her customer, and it's been a pleasure to partner with her and help her develop her line. And she's been a big fan of my brand beautystead and has shouted out how much she loves our vitamin C serum. So it's been a great, you syner- know, great synergy and partnership mm. with her.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Um- what was it like taking your stuff to market and actually launching because you, you know you're a proud entrepreneur you're you're doing your thing obviously that comes with no i don't know like help or you know you have to kind of generate your own momentum sometimes yep how how did you push through that? How did you overcome that? Because I know, you know, as someone that works themselves that, you know, you have to kind of generate your own momentum. You have to try to get people excited about what you're, uh, you know, what you have and what results you can bring.
1: Brock, absolutely right. I have to bring it every day. You know, I have a team of 12 full-time employees right now, and I have to get them excited about working and helping to build, you know, my dream, my vision for the brand And I have to make sure that I come to work every day, super excited, motivated, ready to cheer people on and steer them towards the direction of my ultimate goal, which is becoming this household brand where consumers can trust us, they know us, they trust that we will deliver great benefits for their skin.
0: Mm. Um, I also wanted to talk about your your current fitness routine as well you know we've talked about your you know your entrepreneurial side but you're also heavily into fitness you know I've seen some of the um, you know even story highlights that you have you know of your own fitness and and some of the posts you do Um, what role has fitness played in your life and and first of all what originally got you into it I find that very interesting because everyone kind of starts for for different reasons
1: yeah, I've always been fitness-oriented, and I wasn't a, an athlete in school, but I loved movement. For some reason, I from an early age, I discovered the, the emotional and kind of the, the, the high that you get from physical activity. And whether that was running, and then that moved into weight training, I love movement. And cycling... All of those things feeds my brain and just gives me this, this, this level of awareness and peace and presence that nothing else gives me. And especially now, now that I'm I'm getting older, I'll be honest, Brock, I'm 58 years old, so I've been, I've been in fitness, been, been a fitness practitioner and enthusiast for. You know, over forty years of my life. So, forty years of, of weight training, you know, aerobic activity, cardiovascular activity, and it's just part of who I am. And now that I've become this entrepreneur, it's become more important to help de-stress me, ground me, and help me manage the day-to-day stress of trying to grow a business.
0: I've got a couple of questions for you. The first one being, over the time, you know, you've, you know, you've been a practitioner of fitness for pretty much double the amount of time I have. What have you found that works for you and some kind of like principles that you think people should apply? I know you're no fitness expert. You know, that's not what you're trying to position yourself as. But you, you know, whether you like it or not, if you're interested in something and you do it for a long amount of time, you pick up things that you think work for you and that could potentially mm-hmm. be principles that apply across the board. What do you think people could could take from your your time spent being, you know, involved in running, weightlifting, cycling, things like that?
1: Yeah, I think I think what they could take is that if they tried it and stuck to it, they would see how much it could benefit them holistically as a whether you're, they're an entrepreneur, or whether they're an executive, or whether they're whatever type of work they do, how much it could benefit. What's interesting about me is that I'm I, I'm unique in that I'm an extreme in every sense of the way. In that I, I don't have any issues with motivation or getting up early. By the way, I'm an early riser, and that's when I that's when I have my moment. That's when I really shine in terms of. Getting up and being motivated to weight train and, and and do cardiovascular exercise. My issue is that I do it to an extreme where I don't rest and recover enough. and mm. I'm really I'm really struggling with this as I've gotten older. So my body wants to wake up and wants to do something, but I'm also tired and potentially overtrained as well. Mm. And I need to learn to rest, recover, and be okay not doing anything realizing that doing nothing is also something and I think that's what I'm working on right now so again quite the opposite from others that they need help motivating and getting going I don't I need to work on ways to, to relax not feel I have to give 110 percent every day for everything I do and I'm really I'm really feeling my I guess the the need for more balance in my fitness routine.
0: I found that over the years, I was definitely on that side. So I used to lift weights about 12 times per week. So 12 sessions. So Monday mm-hmm. to Friday, I would do two sessions, heavy mm-hmm. weightlifting. And then on Saturday and Sunday, I would do a longer, still heavy <laughs> weightlifting session. I was like, it's only one session, so it's fine. <laughs> um, but, that, <laughs> right, right. but that led that led me ultimately to uh, start creating a lower back spasm in my lower back while I was squatting and I ended up an ambulance coming to my house because I couldn't stand Uh, up like it was very bad uh, so I kind of uh, felt that and then learned the hard way and then pretty much from that point to now I've been winding back my training so I've I've been on a similar journey as a personal mm -hmm. trainer because as an enthusiast when you first start well, this is my experience. When you first start, you don't really have anyone guiding you saying, that's too much, that's not enough, that's correct, that's mm-hmm. wrong, unless you're doing your own research. I was just doing what I felt was awesome and what all the bros were doing in the gym and what the biggest guys yeah. in the rugby team were doing at my high school. So I was just copying them, right. doing weights that I didn't right. deserve to lift and lifting with uh, form that I'd be embarrassed to post these days. So I've definitely been on this journey and I found that going having this extreme of 12 weightlifting sessions or – you know, resistance training sessions per week. Now I'm only doing five. I feel that I'm in a much better place in terms of strength, in terms of the muscle mass that I carry and also in terms of the recovery because I know what that feels like when, you're, mm-hmm. when you want to go but you can't go. Or even yes. physically, not just your muscles, but I remember my joints, my elbows and my shoulders were the ones that were actually experiencing a lot of pain as well. What have you been doing to try and tone it down because I found that one thing that helped me was really instead of training so much even though it's still cognitive function I would just turn it to work so instead of training I would do extra work it sounds like you're also doing a lot of work too but personally for my balance it still feels like I'm applying myself and I'm growing it's just not physical and it's more mental and it's towards my career and business which made me feel happy as well
1: Brock, I'm still working on it. So let me tell you how bad it's been. I work out seven days a week for about two hours every morning. That's overtraining, right?
0: Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It obviously yeah. depends what you're doing, but yes, if, if if that's at the extreme intensity that I can see you just in my head doing, then yes, that's... Like if you're not having at least one rest day, this is my rule at the moment, at least one complete day of rest. That doesn't mean sitting on your ass and eating Ben and Jerry's. It just means, you know, maybe one day you just walk and that's active recovery. It still feels like you're doing something, but that one day of not completely exerting yourself is something that I'm standing by now. But yeah, seven days a week, two hours per session. That's very extreme.
1: And and walking and doing two to four mile walk as well. So it's, it's clear something, something's wrong with, wrong with it, but yes, I'm working, I'm working at it. It's one of my resolutions is to work on taking that full day off, maybe just doing a walk. You know, someone's been recommending that I work on just doing some mobility and stretching on that day off mm. so that there is movement, but it's not weight training specific. It's more mobility and maybe some uh, uh, foam rolling and that sort of thing. So that's, that's my goal. And I'm, it's been one week already that I'm into it, just taking one day off. It's a Thursday and I hope I stick to it. That's my goal for, that's my New Year's resolution.
0: Yeah, I think mentally it's it's finding that balance of still applying yourself in some way because I know I'm someone that fidgets and has to do something. And if I'm not, I'm I, it, it kind of mentally affects me. I feel a bit. Like the clouds are coming over, and it's a bit darker if i'm not yes. you know if I'm not exerting myself yes. because I find freedom in that, and I have this whole ripple effect theory that I think the idea of progressive overload and pushing your body to its physical limits also helps me in other avenues that I really care about as well, like my family and also my business and you know relationships that i have and 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 all these other things. Um, uh, last right. question, with your routine. What were you doing? So are you lifting weights for two hours or are you, are, are, are you yeah. doing weights, cycle, weights, run, weights, something else? Or, you know, what is it so like? So, I,
1: I do two or three body parts a week. So it's legs three days a week. And then I was doing every other body part twice, twice a week. So each, each workout was an hour and a half of weights. So for example, I did an hour and a half today of leg training and then 30 minutes of cardiovascular exercise at about the with heart rate about of about 140 so about my 70% 80% maximum heart rate yeah for 30 minutes so that's that was that's a typical leg day routine for me
0: so you you're lifting weights 7 days a week yes yeah okay yeah i definitely think that <laughs> you know, uh, (laughs) there, there needs to be some adjusting, but you know, I'll let you figure that out. You know, I'm not here to try and tell you what to do or what not to do, but you know, I, I definitely think that's the right direction you need to head in because, um, it's kind of a, Uh, what what would you call it? Like a dark horse, the overtraining thing, because you feel like you're doing more. So you kind of deserve more because that's what happens in other areas of life. You work more, often you attain more financially, uh, you know, relationship wise and your business grows and all that kind of stuff. But with our physical body, there's a limit. You know, we, we we only have a certain level of central nervous fatigue that we can handle. We only have a certain amount Mm -hmm. of energy. And then we only have a certain amount of cognitive bandwidth that we can have because we often apply ourselves so hard in the gym sometimes. And I've definitely felt this while starting jujitsu because I get really exhausted from that because I'm fighting other men, you know, and it's very sweaty. Yeah, yeah. And I'll do, right. I'll do an hour of weights and then I'll do an hour right. and a half of jujitsu. So I'm doing two and a half hours of training. And that's full on. I, get, I sit back at my desk at work and I'm like, I just want to sleep for two hours. <laughs> it's, right. it's, it's really rough.
1: Yeah, but, but, I, but I do want to answer, answer your question. Yes, I, I'm an extreme, in a, as I mentioned, but my recommendation, a lot of entrepreneurs look to me and say, Ron, I wish I can get motivated. And my advice to them is take find the time of day where you have the most time and energy to do something. Just 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Make the time to step away from your computer, or your phone, and just think about you doing some sort of movement and just start slow it could be just a couple of days a week and then build from there so that's the advice that I give others and the advice that I'm giving to myself especially after talking to you is to take the time mm. take the take the day off step away from the computer give the same advice I give to others for myself and that's take some time the reverse that is for me is take a day where to not do anything and to just relax and be in my own skin.
0: That's such great advice. Uh one thing I've been thinking of a lot lately and we'll wrap up the podcast very soon. I know I've taken up a lot of your time. But one thing I've been thinking about a lot lately is 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 Brock ashby as a 90-year-old and the things that I will regret doing and the things that I won't regret doing. And I've been using that as a bit of a as a bit of a compass for things to do and for things not to do. And I think yeah. you know as you know i'm not saying people have ad- have asked me for entrepreneur advice or things like that but i think just good general life advice is to to put yourself there or even to get a a, a bit darker on your deathbed and you have you know a grandchild saying you know what advice would you give to me and then yeah. you just kind of like go into this place where you think of all the things that you've done and haven't done and i think it's really nice to kind of reverse engineer your life that way because then you go okay i can see a uh, Brock Ashby on his deathbed, and he stopped training at thirty, and just got really mm-hmm. fat. And he and 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 that deathbed moment is happening at at, at sixty-two instead of ninety-five, right? <laughs> right. So we right. So yeah. so so then we go. Okay, we're going to keep training, and then you think, okay, yeah. then there's a. 90-year-old Brock um, who physically was able to do it but uh, prioritized work too much and um, you know maybe that grandchild isn't there because you lost a relationship with your daughter you know there's like all these things that I kind of play out and it's a Tell bit me. of a, a dark cynical game but it actually brings me a lot of clarity because now I have more intention with the things that I want to do and I go okay I'm going to spend this much time with training this much time with jujitsu, jitsu but I also can't forget my family so I'm going to do this and it is a Balancing act, and I don't believe in the perfect work life balance. I think it's, you know, there's definitely seasons where things ramp up and ramp down, but I do think there is a, you know, general kind of structure that we can have to have a, uh, I don't know, a life that's, that's worth living to us. And once again, just like our skin, that is different to everyone else.
1: Absolutely. Totally agree, Brock. Totally, totally agree.
0: Ron, thank you so much for your time, mate. I do want to ask what is happening next for you? You know, you have this company that Haley bieber loves it's growing you have this vitamin c serum that's blowing people's minds uh you know you're on this journey of training hard but yet finding a balance so that you're optimally recovering what's next for you man it sounds like there's a lot happening
1: yeah First of all, I'm taking a week off for the holidays and spending time with my family down in Florida. So I'm looking forward to being in some warmer weather and spending time with the family. And then in January, we have a hot, hot new product launch that is in a new ingredient outside of vitamin C. So that's what's coming up. So I need to rest up and be motivated and energized for a busy, busy 2024 ahead. So I want to thank you, Brock, for having me on the show. And best of luck health and happiness to you and your loved ones.
0: Thank you so much, man. It's been an honor to have you on.